The Out of Time Podcast is brought to you by brothers whose relationship was forged together by watches. Each episode will be a conversation with people we find fascinating from all walks of life. Welcome to the episode. We're live. Ignition. Blast off. <laughs> <laughs> so we're uh, we're welcoming the audience back to a part two of the uh, this train wreck, and shockingly, they're here. <laughs> <laughs> At least the acoustics are better. Yes, yes. <laughs> Definitely different. Different vibe. And uh, as promised, we've uh, paid a visit now to Natalie. Natalie Apovics. Apovics. Hi. <laughs> hey, how are you? Good. How's everybody? Fantastic. Much better now. So we're sitting here next to Joshua. Sitting here next to Summer Eskimo. I guess that's my cue. That's <laughs> <laughs> And Chase. And Chase. And we uh, we have with us from uh, part one, Mr. Richard Rogers. That's right. Triple R. Triple R. <laughs> and Hello again. now joining us is Natalie. Hi. Hi. <laughs> I'm extremely excited, <laughs> Chase, <laughs> because we're basically sitting with the children of the industry. Yes. This Would, is, is it fair to say that? The, the, the epicenter. The epicenter for. Of, of the Los Angeles <laughs> horological. I don't. I don't business. feel very children-esque anymore. <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't the case 10 minutes ago when you were looking around. This is true. Yeah, like this a, is like true. A, like a kid <laughs> in the candy store. Quite, quite literally. Uh, <laughs> that was a fair was like, I would right? like these jawbreakers, uh-huh. five of those. That's right. Yeah. You just got a bag and we're you know, going through with tongs. Yeah. Filling it up. <laughs> Sold by weight at the end. <laughs> so... One of the topics that um, that we touched on last time mm-hmm. that is really now in a more opportune time to discuss yes. because of being in the presence now of a, or in literally in, in a supply house in the presence of its proprietor, right. pr- proprietress. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, proprietor, yeah. is there gender attached yeah. to that? Come Jeez. on. Can, <laughs> can, <laughs> Um, <laughs> proprietress. Yeah. Put that uh, on your business card. Uh, <laughs> um, is the issue of parts availability, and, and it's something that has, it's an it's an issue that interestingly, as the pr- prices of watches go up, and I don't mean just because of inflation. I mean in comparison, you know, their their actual real cost, not just the nominal cost, as they've skyrocketed over the last decade the availability of parts has also plummeted. So now people are being asked to spend several times more proportionally of their paycheck Mm -hmm. on something that they are now much, much less able to own and service effectively or have serviced at their, with their desired professional. And nobody feels that more perhaps than the two people Aside from the consumer, than the two people sitting in front of us. us, Yeah, that's probably true. So, if you could, with probably the longest introduction in history, give (laughs) us a little bit of what you see happening, and perhaps why you think it's happening, and maybe with a with the understanding that you obviously bring, what do you think we can do about it? Oh gosh. well, I'm, the history of, of the supply house has always been um, as 
as uh, uh, an intermediary between uh, a watchmaker and uh, a manufacturer and mm -hmm. to act as, as um, a partner with a watchmaker um, in many ways to, to, you know, get a watch fixed. Um, as time has gone on, obviously, the, the companies, um, the manufacturers have, have taken a different view and have taken a much more um, exclusive um, approach um, in terms of, of wanting to keep the industry within themselves. Um, what can we do? I think that technology will eventually solve it. Mm -hmm. um, but also, as, as consumers, you know, the awareness of a consumer, I think, plays a lot into it. Because if you, if you are purchasing a watch, the question is, who owns your watch? Do you yes. own it? Does right. the company that manufactured it own it? Mm -hmm. um, and should you be able to choose who you want to fix it? Right. Um, I, my job is to offer choices and as many as possible. Um, it's up to you what you want to do with your watch. You want to ice it out. I, I personally, I think that's that's your choice. Right. That's yeah, not it's up to. It's your thing. It's a personal thing. That's not up to a manufacturer to tell right. you what you can and can't do. Right. You know, I understand that it was designed in a certain way, mm -hmm. and they had an idea. But okay. once they don't own it, <laughs> it's you down do to right. you. Yeah, there's a company here in you know? uh, West LA, Hollywood, I think, that La California or LA Californian, or I I'm not mm -hmm. sure how it's pronounced. Okay. Oh, La California, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they're the one doing, that ice, does ice out. Ice no, them. they don't ice them out. What do they do? They they paint the dials, they paint the indices, they paint the the straps, mm -hmm. um, and they're doing some really like funky stuff with Rolex I mean, and Cartier. And, but Rolex, I heard, was <coughs> going after them for doing that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, how is that any different when you, would you modding your car, changing the wheels, or I don't know. Putting dents on it, changing the whatever. Color. Yeah. yeah. I don't know how it's different. Um, how can someone go after you for you essentially purchased the item already? Is that even? Yeah, most of their their product, from what I've seen and understand, right. isn't um, isn't modern versions of the the Rolex or, or the Cartier. They're, I'm assuming, buying them, um, servicing them, That's and then adding you know some sort of flair to them, and then reselling them with, with whatever um, type of warranty that they offer but yeah Rolex is uh I mean from what I heard going after them how for selling their product. how is that any different yeah. with like Nike's like you're modding a Nike shoe or whatever oh there's a, there's a lot of that going on too Dude, does Nike go after those people not that I'm aware of now keep in mind Rolex even went after Costco for selling their watches yes. not modified just selling, selling yeah. their watches yeah. because because Great Costco market. is not an authorized dealer yep and Rolex attempted to stop that. So unsessfully right un I still see yes. a lot of Rolex. very much unsuccessfully as it should have been because once you sell a watch you should really you know, it's if they want to go after the ADs that sold it out the back door that's mm -hmm. entirely up to them right. but uh, you can't sell the person who then now legally owns the product. I'll play the devil's advocate with regard to La California because I I think I understand why Rolex is doing it. Not necessarily advocate but Here's the justification I'll guess at. Yes. And Richard, sorry. I, I just wanted to, because I'm not familiar with these guys, and I just wondered uh, if you can clarify that they're doing this to new watches and then reselling them, or just old watches? As, uh, as far as I'm aware, it's older models. They're, they are not selling new watches 
and representing them as being original. They are not selling. Uh, maybe the, well, I I don't know what the what the complaint was branding. from Rolex. It's a double branding. So on their dials, they actually have obviously the Rolex mm -hmm. um, logos, but they have in the very very bottom they have their own logo as well. Oh, they put well. under Rolex. Not under. It's it's under like where you would have like Swiss or Swiss made. Okay, yeah, yeah. You're at right. The very, very I bottom. pull them up. Here, you can scroll through and check some pictures. of those out. Yeah. So. Oh, I see. My guess. The motivation now, and, and I don't, I don't necessarily think the, this particular motivation is a wrong one, mm -hmm. but what it is is there is a, there is a legitimate reason for any company mm -hmm. to want to control anything that has the that has is it the, the brand image? on it. They're protecting the image. It's yeah, it's it's to maintain. Well, every company calls it something different but uh -huh. brand design standards or right. brand standards you I, brand identity yeah brand controlling the brand identity mm -hmm. and when you have a business who's who what they do is they are i sent they're they are changing the brand identity that presents potential damages to them it presents potential issues to them um, it could also present quite frankly issues to the consumers if the consumers don't understand that Right. The company will no yeah. longer support the product. Yeah, but if, if the company that's selling the product isn't um, saying that Rolex is going to support this, I mean, oh, it, oh, it, most people going in buying a Rolex, or I, I don't want to say uh, most people, um, but a lot of them realize that if you do something aftermarket, Rolex is not going to support that. So if you're buying it under um, that awareness that, hey, if I buy this product, a watchmaker can repair it or maybe they offer some sort of warranty that um, if something were to happen to it, they can take it back to the person they bought it from. Uh, Here's the problem. I, I, I don't interrupt you. I just want to respond very specifically to this. There is an issue now, and this brings us also back to kind of where we started the conversation. Now versus five years ago. Mm -hmm. Five years ago, if you would have bought that watch, okay, you know, Rolex doesn't want to service it. I can go to my watchmaker. Yeah. Mm -hmm. can't now. Rolex has essentially, and not just Rolex, there are a lot of companies that They're essentially cut off their parts <laughs> supply. Yeah. So now you do, you have even more of no an choice. issue because now all those consumers that bought the watch with the understanding it mm -hmm. was modified, mm -hmm. but an expectation of still being able to maintain it, they, the reality, no long, that reality has dramatically changed. Yeah. And so now this, you know, this matters more than ever to the consumer in that by if you have a company that is a saying we will not support a modified watch and b we will not supply parts to a third party you you're set you're creating a situation where they are essentially by extension controlling your ability to do what you want with your watch because they're able to dictate what you can do with it in order for them to support it okay here it is and this and i understand in a perfect world we would get to do that. But the problem is here is, I mean, it, it, after you know, Natalie and I were talking earlier about the uh, time limit, you know, that, that manufacturers have, uh, they're responsible to supply parts uh -huh. for a certain mm -hmm. number of years. Okay, uh, but there's a, we accept that at a certain point, something becomes 
not serviceable. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, Seiko's really good at that, too. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. they don't they don't make a lot of the old stuff. We don't talk about Seikos so much in this regard, but they're they're part of this <coughs> uh, dialogue as well. Mm-hmm. And we, uh, but you know, like like old cars, uh, you know, after point manufacturers quit. Yep producing it but but there are you know people who come along and if it's a popular enough part Mm -hmm. then they start to reproduce it natalie touched on uh you know uh that there are other options from uh different companies who will reproduce those parts you you used a better word for it than than i'm using but uh i mean there's always a way to repair something it's always just a matter of time and money and and so, especially on the really older vintage pieces, uh, you know, I think I, I, I think the real issue is that, uh, uh, and, and Joshua mentioned that the client needs to be made aware hmm. that when they buy something, uh, what are you know what's going to happen when it needs to be fixed, right. and uh, you know, and, and and a lot of this is implied, you know people like us who are involved either in this industry or or are vintage watch collectors and Mm -hmm. dealers Mm -hmm. uh you know we know that there's stuff that isn't that's isn't out there anymore that we can't Mm -hmm. uh uh you know find it uh you know and sometimes you just have to look you know there there are other ways uh somebody contacted me about you know that the thing that I posted on Instagram and, and, uh, uh, and they said, you know, could you help us with this? And, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I said, well, you know, you might think of somebody, you know, to remanufacture it. It's not the world's most difficult part to right. reproduce. Mm-hmm. And then when I got home that night, I was thinking, God, did these guys check eBay? <laughs> yeah, I looked on eBay and it's like there yeah. were a half a dozen of them for sale. And right. I called him up and I said, you know, look, yeah. just don't you guys, you know, Check these yeah. things, and uh, so and he, and he, he bought it right away, and, and and that was kind of the end of it. And uh, so, I think you know if you're a vintage watch nut, then you accept these things. But I think that's very different than this company that you're talking about uh, there on Melrose, where they, uh, you know, this seems like a still a rather contemporary piece mm-hmm. and yes. people would buy that and then they think it's a Cartier mm-hmm. you know this company maybe doesn't have the parts to service, the Cartier. service it right. uh, and they go to Cartier and Cartier looks out and goes <clears throat> well you're going to need a new case and a new dial these are not original right. we don't touch this uh-huh. if it's not uh, and, and that's you know that's kind of the uh, I mean anybody can say that they are will or won't service something right uh you know that's been modified and so right. forth but i i think maybe we're getting a little bit away from the topic of you know especially for watchmakers to have parts to do their job on stuff that's contemporary and, uh-huh. and normal and and uh you know like you know you want something for your mercedes you don't have to go to mercedes for it you can go to autozone maybe or or some other auto parts company and and get what you need to you know fix your car uh and i think clients tend to look at that comparison with automobiles and they think 
you know, why do I have to just take this to a watch company to do that? And there, there, I think there is a movement. What, what did you call it earlier? Uh, uh, right to repair. Right to repair. And, you know, and that's something, you know, that, that it's going to take a little bit of organization to address that. It's going to take more than just, you know, a person here or a person there. But I think there is a, you know, I think, you know, it depends on what Congress wants to get involved with this week. They've been, <laughs> <laughs> they've been a little busy lately. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, you know, it, it just depends on what's popular in Washington yeah. and, and what they're willing to take up and, and act upon. And, and I think that's, it's certainly, I mean, w when I started out working for my dad, mm -hmm. you know, we could go to, umpteen different supply houses and and you could comparison shop you could see if one person had it cheaper than another and, right. and you can get virtually anything and everything uh, uh, for you know virtually any watch except you know really you know high-end companies uh, where uh, you know they just don't make a lot of stuff right. and it's not like you know they're not making enough for Everybody is what it boils down to, and I and I think on for certain brands that becomes uh, uh, an issue. Uh, Rolex. I mean, the industry as a whole. Though I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt, but industry as a whole. I mean, when that when watches were technology, it was considered um, a right and a necessity to have it. And I think that as things have moved more into the the luxury goods market. Mm -hmm and into the collector market, that distinction is obviously broken away. Um, also though, I think that the confidence that the brands had with independent watchmakers has faded. Oh, it's, it's, yes. it's not faded, it's, it's. it's evaporated. It no longer exists. <laughs> But also that comes with more and more complications within the watches as well. I mean, so you have a lot of things kind of playing into mm -hmm. what the current situation is in, in watchmaking versus what it was 20 years ago, 30 years ago. Um, and, and it's significantly different. I mean, I don't, I don't think of it as the same industry really anymore. No, no. It's, it's the, the land. I mean, the landscape is completely changed Change. mm -hmm. uh you know and and i mean when i my dad and i used to go to the horological association of california meetings at the uh union oil auditorium and there would be 200 watchmakers wow. there. Mm -hmm. I mean, you couldn't do that today 200. you know there aren't <laughs> there aren't enough uh people you know actively repairing wow. watches yeah. that you could get a group together like that okay. uh and you know, and, and I think that's 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 one of the biggest problems uh, that that you know watchmaking kind of fell out of a uh, out of the career path yeah. choice for young people, and and it's getting better, but it's it's going to take probably another decade, I think, before we start producing enough watchmakers that mm -hmm. they're guys who are opening you know, their own independent places and need that access. And, and once we have more watchmakers who can 
make a more active case and become more important to the watch companies too, uh, then I think we'll start to see some more changes. Otherwise, I think it's something that we will have to see come from a legislative type of environment to mm -hmm. make any real change on it. Or, or from collectors. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because, you know, if, if a consumer says, this is what I want in the end, I mean, that, yeah. that should, in my opinion, count for something. That's always the best, most effective way to do things. I remember one of my former business partners told me, and this is very, very true. If you want to, to speak to somebody in the company or affect any real change, your best avenue is the sales department. Because everything else in the company is a cost center. The sales department, any, any department that sells something is the revenue source. That's the, that's the lifeline for the mm. company. And so, very much to your point, if people want things to change, they have to vote with their dollars and spend their money uh, in places with companies that will behave the way they want them to behave and right. not with the companies that don't. Right. I think some of the issue is what you're saying about it being a, a luxury good, though. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of people, it's they're not as you know passionate about um, something that they can get from their their cell phone. Right. You have the collector community, which is very passionate, but um, outside of that, just your your general consumer who might buy a watch um, as a gift to themselves for some sort of monument, like a job change or a birthday or something like that. And they just want it to adorn their wrist oh, and yeah. they don't have any sort of connection to it beyond that or those steps that happen. That's always uh, been kind of traditionally, you know, where watches fit in terms of it being, a, you know, a milestone, right. um, not reward or gift, or but just, just an object that, that held that kind of um, power um, but I think a lot of what has changed is is what companies view as where their responsibilities are or aren't mm -hmm. um, when watchmakers are coming into a lot of these companies they're not really trained as watchmakers they're trained as you know as, as assembly line you know let's put something together and you specialize in this part of it instead of understanding the whole and I think that that's another... Well, you know, I think, you know, Summer and Chase are really big into automotives, and, and that's very just similar. Little. Some of the experience that I've had with just Summer, uh, <laughs> with taking a vehicle in for repair, um, a lot of the, the newer people, they're not taught to go in and figure out root issues. They're like, all right, let's replace this, let's yeah. replace that, instead of any real repairs being done. Here's, here's an interesting point, though based what Richard said and uh -huh. what you're saying at the same time. So you can say that the watch is a luxury good. I think a lot of people would think that a Mercedes is a luxury car, and whether it's a Mercedes or Bentley or BMW, mm -hmm. um, you can still go buy parts for those cars. You can walk in and buy the part that you need for your car part center. for a two hundred and fifty or three hundred thousand dollar car yep. uh -huh. and no one's going to tell you, oh I'm sorry we will not sell you parts, this is a luxury item. Yeah. Uh, you can't. You know, no, th you that can. doesn't exist it's there. Part number, you order right. it, yeah. and if it doesn't exist, they get X amount of order. They'll make it. it it's it it 
I, I understand what you're saying, uh, and just the same way. There, I would say the majority of people who are mm -hmm. driving these cars have absolutely no idea what they're buying. They bought it because it's that's... an accessory that matches their handbag, and that's <laughs> and that's really all that Calm it down, is. Chase. But Calm down. if they need parts that's for it. That's a different topic. <laughs> Calm down. If they need parts for it. <laughs> if they need parts for it. They can still get it. The yeah. sad part well, is it's all interconnected. <laughs> right. <laughs> 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 and and if someone should choose to spend their money on a good and the good has has requires maintenance yep. and and has parts that are required yep. the person that owns that item has a you know there is a there's an entitlement they they are entitled to the necessary parts to continue using what they own just just in case the listeners are wondering what that crinkling sound is. <laughs> <laughs> I was being Richard is is struggling to unpeel his matcha Kit Kat. Um, Fueled by matcha Kit Kats. And, and I think everyone should try matcha Kit Kat. If you can get your hands on them. If you can From get your hands Japan. From Japan. Yeah. Uh, just contact Richard or is it JDM? That's the plan. Planeter? Planeter. But it's a, a three instead of the E? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Shoot him a DM. Yeah. Shoot him a DM for Matcha Kit Kat. Matcha, matcha Kit Kat, yeah. gray market importer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it's very small, insignificant handling fee. Yeah. So yeah. It's worth it. <laughs> so. The, and and I, I think that, while I, I understand that mm -hmm. for the majority of people, right. what you're saying is correct, Josh. It holds. Josh is correct? Well, Josh is correct. Okay. The, for the majority of people, they mm -hmm. really have very little interest in what's going on in their watch, and they bought it because they it, it looks nice. And, it represents uh, some sort of and, status. And represents something for them, yeah. and probably they feel that it, it exudes, it portrays something that they want to portray, and mm -hmm. they like looking at it. But, but the same goes for their cars. Yes. Mm -hmm. And they can buy parts for their cars. And they're not told that this is a luxury car, we don't sell parts. No. I, a part of me, one of my biggest worries, let's say, example, I want to get into watchmaking. And, and the route that I want to take is being an independent, working on my own, have a bench at home, whatever. <laughs> let's just say. The, the idea. Right? But. I just find it hilarious. You, if you think. <laughs> The fact that you can't get parts, order parts, or get parts, then why even go down that path? Like it's already like it's a losing battle. Well, I mean, if if you want to be, uh, I, I mean, today, mm -hmm. uh, and you know, in, in episode one, you know, right. I mentioned my my dad didn't want me to be a watchmaker. Mm -hmm. He thought I was crazy. Yeah, uh, and uh, so today someone your dad for instance mm -hmm. might point out to you that maybe that isn't a really good idea <laughs> you know, I mean, if, if you want to be a watchmaker from the 19 you know 50s 60s right. 70s uh you, you really can't do that today yeah. and and you know natalie and i were talking earlier about you know the watch material industry has changed so dramatically because of how you know the watch industry and the repairers part in that has changed so mm -hmm dramatically and so I, I understand what you're saying mm -hmm. 
But the companies look at that from a completely different standpoint. Okay. And, and, and the companies, let's face it, the companies mm -hmm. want what they want. They want, they're not, I mean, because the companies don't make money repairing watches. <laughs> right. Right. They or want selling you to buy parts. a new watch. It's on yeah. the sales. They, yeah. make, they make money selling new watches. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So they are interested in, you know, doing what they have to do legally to uh, uh, conduct business. Mm -hmm. And other than that, you know, they, and, and of course they have to, they have to be really willing and able to service and take care of whatever they sell because people will get mad. Right. You know, if you go in and, I mean, if you went into the company and said, uh, I want to get my watch fixed, and, and they said, oh, well, you know, we don't have this part. It's, it's uh, we can't fix your watch. What do you mean? I just <laughs> bought this watch, and you have to fix it. And, and, and we, wouldn't, we wouldn't accept that. Mm -hmm. So what would we do? We would quit buying from that absolutely company uh, and and the you know the same is true uh, you know with with the for the repairing except that as we discussed before you know people used to have their watches serviced once a year people service their watches every two years oh, yes. oh. you know uh, you know, watches didn't used to seal up so well. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. uh, you get enough dirt in them, and just like any other mechanism, it's going to quit. Yeah. Uh, so we have watches that last longer. People don't notice the issue with the uh, repairing and the need for parts mm -hmm. quite as dramatically as they used to. That's another thing that has changed for us these days. So basically, what will happen is once people do, be, once they actually recognize this as an issue, and, and, and this is all about education and explaining this to people, mm -hmm. and you know, we talk about this all the time because it's really important to us. Yeah, right. But unfortunately, most people who you know, buy watches mm -hmm. are not really so much affected by this as we are. And so there aren't enough people to make enough noise to you know, get anything accomplished here. That's, that's, to me, that's what the, the real issue is. And, and, and we, unfortunately, <clears throat> we can discuss and debate about this being wrong or right, right. all day long. Mm -hmm. And it still doesn't make any difference in terms of the, it, it, it's, it's, it's only when it becomes enough of an issue. Yeah, people get, enough people, pockets, people right. get mad as hell and they won't yeah. take it anymore. And then something <laughs> gets done. Right. You know, that's what the. But the, for some of these people, if you're talking about a five to seven year service interval on a watch, by that time they might purchase another watch and right, that original exactly, one might just be yeah, sitting in a drawer that's, somewhere. That's my point. <laughs> we, we, don't, we don't notice the, the repairing doesn't seem quite as much of an issue to people. But to a watchmaker, obviously, it's a huge issue. Mm -hmm. You know, it's it's a major thing, and, and it's well, you know, it kind of boils down to me more of a, you know, uh, life 
love and the pursuit of happiness wow. kind of thing. <laughs> love that. You know, uh, we, uh, you know, you can, you know, it's like the, you know, current events, the ban on alligator uh, being used in California and uh, whether, whether you agree or disagree, we're not going to get into that because that, we, you know, something could happen. But, uh, uh, you know, uh, Louisiana is now suing California because California is taking away their livelihood. They sell 30% of all the alligator skin in, uh, that's, that's uh, produced in Louisiana here mm -hmm. in California. Mm -hmm. So it's like, do you have the right to come along and say, oh, you know what, we just don't want to do this anymore. And we're sorry, you won't be able to make a living. Yeah. And that's just the way it is. Well, <clears throat> that's not just the way it is. And that's, you know, we'll, we'll have to see what happens with Louisiana suing over this. Uh, that's uh, another rabbit hole. No, yeah, that, that's mm -hmm. to be continued. Absolutely. That's episode three, I think, unfortunately, <laughs> but, for the but, you know, uh, yeah, and that's impacting so many people. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, it's obviously for Louisiana well, and a heck of a lot of other people, you know, it's, it's and, and for Louisiana, it's not like it's just impacting their bottom line. It's, 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 their, it's impacting their ability to... It's, survive it's not specific to watchmaking as far as that topic i was talking to the violin maker yesterday and it's used for the bow really for the grip ah wow so it's not so you can't get your violin bow repaired well in then you use cow hide or something else because there's different or, or you do it outside of california or you do it right. outside of california so it's Nevada. Chase Arizona. is containing it pretty well. <laughs> but, then, <laughs> but, then, but then if you import that bow across uh, the state line, state state line. line. Yeah. Yeah. then you have to deal oh with the feds. There you go. There you go to the, the side business for Chase. Cal <laughs> California bow repair? <laughs> Portland, Oregon. <laughs> Worth, no, no sales tax on it. <laughs> <laughs> I, see, I see how you're positioning yourself. I like it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it, go ahead. I, I think that any time that there is an outside force that takes away a choice that that exists. I hate that. I th yeah. I mean, well, who doesn't? I, I, okay, yeah. look, I'm a car guy. Yeah, we we, we established that. You and Chase. Okay, me and Chase. And I I own, you know, 20-year-old cars, and I have accumulated parts for it because sometimes it's not available, blah, 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 right? Do I have to be that way with the watches I own? Start, like, just having a bunch of crown and tubes and plexi <laughs> and whatever, the, war, the, the wear and tear pieces? I mean, it sucks. It's well, coming down. It probably isn't a bad idea. <laughs> no, I mean, that's that's uh, part of what I do in my right, job. That's where Natalie comes <laughs> in. Yeah, I'm in a supply house, right, right, placing right. an order after this episode. <laughs> so there was another topic that you brought up to me, Summer. Okay. And it was the question of of in-house and what does it uh, mean and is it good for the consumer? There yes. are all types of things. Mm -hmm. And I had some thoughts on that, but I'd like okay. to throw that onto the table see what everyone has to think of in-house mm -hmm. especially after we now discuss the previous topic of parts availability mm -hmm. no i'm 
sorry, I was playing with my smartphone. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, what, what, what is this new topic? Um, the degree of, let's say, degree of propriety, mm -hmm. like how in-house in -house. something is, versus, versus not. That's a fun topic. Yes. Uh -huh. <laughs> um, I think you need to split that into two different categories there with um, micro brands mm -hmm. and larger established brands. Um, when you're buying into a micro brand that's got its own movement mm -hmm. and a movement that they've created in-house, then you start to wonder, okay, well, are they going to be around in 10 years? Right. Are they going to be around in 20 years right. in order for these parts to be available or okay. for even to be able to take it somewhere to have it repaired Okay. Right. versus a company where you have pretty good confidence that they are going to still be around. Fair enough. I mean. But it's, it's also, isn't that a, isn't it a similar, maybe not to the extreme of will they exist, will any parts exist at all under any circumstances, even with the manufacturer if they're gone? It's still a similar question of, well, the more, the more proprietary mm -hmm. something is, mm -hmm. the more, the less options you will have going forward, if you don't want to go back to the manufacturer. You're married to the brand. Right. There it is. Mm -hmm. Well, and that's a mark of exclusivity, is it not? Uh, you know, and and people. You know, and that's such a double-sided coin because you know people come in, they 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 go into a store and they they go, uh, well, you know, is this is this movement completely in-house? It's like, oh, yes, it is. Mm -hmm. uh, and if you say no, it is not. It's like, oh, well, you know, why would I want to buy this watch? Yeah, this is. But when trash. did that when did that <laughs> shift happen? When did that shift happen? Where instead of companies bringing in you know, and working together to have just a good movement yeah. within within the brands. When did that shift into an in-house movement being uh, the only the only thing that was considered serious about a watch company? Mm -hmm. Well, you know? I, I, I think that happened with uh, a lot of... Okay, well, this is going to get really nasty now, isn't it? This may or may not air. He's, he's standing up. Uh-oh, he's removing the belt. <laughs> I, I think this is... Actually, I, I was just I was thinking about this, and it's kind of a... It, it's an interesting topic in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. uh, this all started when I was thinking about... Uh, how many watch straps options we have these days. And it, it's another thing to add to the whole genre of watch collecting mm -hmm. and how to, you know, customize or make, you know, something that is, you know, very common, look a little bit more unique and express your own personality about it and so on and so forth. Okay, well, and it's a way to sell another product. Well, I, I think this has become the whole idea of proprietary-ness uh, has been a little bit affected by, I'll make a lot of people mad here, uh, watch dealers and brands that are trying to say that this is better 
and this is why you should buy this. This watch is better because it's a completely in-house movement. Mm -hmm. uh, and and it, it depends, uh, it, you know, it, is it, I mean, it's a watch, okay? And, right. and we, we want it to work well, we want it to, you know, give us good service and so forth. Uh, does that have anything to do with whether it's an in-house movement? No, not really. Does that justify a bigger price tag? Right. No. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. Well, and, 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 that's, yeah. and that's the whole point. And, and, and it is the, you know, something is, that's more exclusive and you're paying a lot of money for it. Uh, you know, I think a lot of people, because we've been led into this a little mm -hmm. bit, we feel that we, we've come to expect that or that's what we want because somebody has told us that this is better. Are you also paying for some of the R&D though? that goes into developing the movement? And well, but, oh, sure. but that, that's, that's very true. Uh, and, you know, but at the end of the day, does it, does it have as much of a, an impact on the, how it works, or does it have more of an impact on whether we want to buy it or not? The right. bragging rights? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Glad someone said That's the whole thing to me. And, and, and I think, uh, you know, there, there's so much information out there. And I think so often people make a decision based on all the information that they see, hear, or read, mm -hmm. or watch mm -hmm. uh, these days. And are they really making this decision based on what other people say, as opposed to what really speaks to them, and what is important to them? And I, and I think that's a big educational issue uh, that is kind of at the heart of this whole discussion is that people get led by blogs and other sources. Instagram. I'm not, I'm not saying influences. Yeah, Influence. I'm, not, I'm not saying that these are bad things, mm -hmm. but I think people could be not so much sheep and just follow along. They should. And, and I, I, for all those people who love sheep out there, I'm not saying anything really nasty about <laughs> sheep. Oh, sheep yes. are awesome. Yeah, I, 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 I like, like sheep, sheep too. Yes. Yeah. Soft, cuddly. Yeah. And, I can't and when I sleep. to really make a decision mm -hmm. based on what they want, yeah. what, what speaks to them, what's going to make them happy, uh, and, and how much does that have to do with you know, what somebody else thinks about it. Yeah. I think, I think if, if people stop to consider mm -hmm. You know, only what and, and you know read all this stuff, watch all this stuff. You know, read all the books and, mm -hmm. and you know, education is is always positive, but then buy something to enjoy because it's going to make you happy. Is not not as much as what it says on some outside source and, and that you need this or you should have this. You should request this because somebody else says. Right. And that's not where it's at. I think uh, just collecting is a personal journey. Yeah. Yes. Really, just ask why. 
I've had this discussion about in-house ness. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're creating so many new words. Yes, and, yes. and I just don't. I I don't understand it. Why? It's because the the quality of being in house mm -hmm. is not is not itself a an indicator of of how good it will be. Mm -hmm. It's not going to. You're not going to be able to to quantify the the performance or quantify an improvement just because it's in house. In -house it's yeah. just it just it is okay yeah. so it is in house and that doesn't mean that it's going to be better the question is how well does it work how how long is the power reserve how magnetically resistant is it how good is the isochronism under all these different conditions that you might want to throw at it um that's what matters how good does it work you don't no one's walking up to their car. Maybe they are, but people walk up to the car and they're asked, well, how in-house is it? You'd be shocked that with most cars, they're not in-house. Like, nothing's in-house. They care how it works. I mean, really, and they, you care how it works. People care, care how it works? You, or it just with, looks. With their cars? Yeah. I think sometimes they care if it will work. <laughs> sometimes. I'm holding out for the flying cars. So. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> but, but really, these things we were promised. Is there they a never holder? It's How many cup holders does he have? It's, it's, not, it's actually not as complicated as people think it is. Mm -hmm. Some of the, there, there's a reason that there are so many off the shelf movements. They're actually good. It all comes down to the last hands that touch it, which determine what it will really do in many cases. Good point. It is the last hand. It, it comes and, down to the last hands. You can look at, you know, Breitling for forever always was never Breitling forever never had an in-house movement. And, yeah, and it's that last person that's right. before releasing it. It's the and, and they yeah. they were famous for having a lot of chronometer rated watches. They so, they they so adjusted. We're touching regular, up on that on the last person who. But that's because I've seen some. Some some incredible stuff that slipped through quality it, checking, right? Air in the movements. Um, are we touching up on that, or that's we'll save that for later. If you want to, we can. no, no, we'll save but it for the, later. The the whole point of this is right. that somewhere that's dessert. I know. <laughs> I'm the tiger got out of the cage. I apologize. <laughs> it's. It, just because it's in-house doesn't mm -hmm. mean it's better. Yep. Just because it's not in-house doesn't mean it's yeah, worse. Correct. It just matters who did who who did what to it. Do you think they're doing it in-house so they can control it? more control? Well, is that I, what it is? You think it might be mm -hmm. um, that w I I wouldn't want to speculate that far, but I, I definitely to think me that's my assumption. It it I'm has going. to be a response to consumer demands mm -hmm. because consumers have been. People do, as Richard said, people are definitely asking if it's in-house and they think that they're because being a more informed consumer by doing that. They get influenced that it's the better thing. But it's, it's like, it's almost like You know how BMW has the M Motorsports? Mm -hmm. they, people think it's the best thing in the planet. They don't, well, BMW doesn't make their own transmissions. You shouldn't buy them. That's <laughs> <laughs> true. It's GM. In, uh, any, uh, in any event. <laughs> now, it, now, now it's a thing. AMG... BMW M, yeah. people think it's top of the line, which is not. It's not the top of the line, but but the manufacturers are cashing in on this and slapping M and AMG on everything now. It's it's a, it seems like it's really a question of perception yeah. more yeah. than anything. I think else. that's what it is. Yeah, that's I think that's precisely so what it is. When we're talking about the uh, the micro brands, mm -hmm. I don't think any of the micro brands are using in-house movements or RMG. That's the only or GM. RGM. 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 
R and B something. It's music. It's I didn't say R and B. But if we were to talk rhythm and blues, we yeah, 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 yeah. Well, uh, RGM does both. They have they have, you know, non in house. Mm -hmm. They have off the shelf and they have in house. Yeah. But they're the only ones in America right now, making mm -hmm. movements, right? Uh, there's oh, what's his name in Oregon? Oh, there's and, Weiss. And there's what? But Weiss are they making? Uh, yeah, they, they do have a David Walter's they making it all in oh, California. Yeah. Right. So David Walter and yeah, Santa Barbara. Yeah. Uh, I thought Weiss was just cloning the movie. That's what I thought that's so as well. But I thought so too. No, but there's another. You know, that's another topic too. I mean, uh, yeah. you know, you you still have to make it. You know, if you use somebody else's R and D, uh, you uh -oh. know, that's. You, you still have to produce it and make it work. See, that's a great, that's the funny thing about watches mm -hmm. that you, you can make a motor. We right. talked about this earlier. A motor uh -huh. just has to run. Right. You know, if you're making a watch, it has to run like no other machine that we ever come in contact with. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, it's a completely different. But it's universe. actually, it's good that this came up because people really should be asking themselves the question. You know, if you're going to say that that a cloned movement is acceptable because it was made, but then then why? Why does it matter who, you know, basically what I'm asking is where do you draw the line? If it's, if you bought a movement and you finish, if you finished, assembled, adjusted, regulated, mm -hmm. oh, that, that's not in house, you bought the movement. Well, if you clone the, so basically if you copy a mm -hmm. movement, yep. And then do all those things, then it's acceptable? And you say, well, no, it's maybe not acceptable there. Well, at what point is it, at what point, you know, is it is it in-house or, and why is it in-house? Are people, basically, this is the question and this is the kind of the, the philosophical question that I had asked Summer. It seems like people are pursuing in-house when what they maybe are thinking they're getting or what they want right. is an artisanal movement, mm -hmm. a movement, something that's made by a watchmaker, where, where and that would be a very different story than an in-house movement or in-company in movement. If you have a movement, a company that is, let's say, Caribou Lions, designing and making its movements, you know, design, build, everything from start to finish, that is artisanal. That That is special because the the creator who, who has the co from concept to creation that is the, that person has had their hand in all are you thinking isle of my isle of man like i'm thinking well i'm thinking of isle of man too but mm -hmm. here's an interesting thing and mm -hmm. this is, comes brings us full circle with the whole in-house mm -hmm. you know that george daniels made non-in-house movements and i don't mean his prototypes mm -hmm. george daniels did had his own run the daniels i think it was a it wasn't the anniversary piece. I forgot which one it is. I think the Daniels 2000. He actually did and finished and, and, and did ed the well, the movement was originally an Edda 2892. Right. It became the Omega 2500. Yeah. Yeah. Daniels Daniels did his own. He finished a few of those watches. In fact, I think they were the only Daniels automatic watches. Mm -hmm. But they were George Daniels watches. Yeah. Clearly done by him, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but it's not in-house, if you draw the line there at yeah. buying the Bosch. Yeah. That's what, oh, well, that's what this volley was all about. <laughs> well, 
Richard, do you want wine or rum? Something strong? <laughs> <laughs> we have moonshine, too, if that's your thing. Um, well, you know, what I'd really like is some of that, that, that whiskey they were sampling at the uh, Grand Seiko event. Oh, oh yeah. Wow. Was that in-house? It was in that house. <laughs> it was in that <laughs> house. Uh, but, you know, if somebody makes something, mm-hmm. you know, and, and there's, you know, and, and we can throw, you know, Kari Multilinen and, and, and uh, these single makers and, uh, you know, David Walters or, or, you know, any of these single focused people who are at the zenith of this world we call horology, you know, we, I don't, I don't think we can really, we can't compare them to other things or anything else. Really, I mean, what it, what it takes to uh, you know to completely imagine and create these single watches is something extraordinary, and it takes a you know a drive and a determination and a level of skill that you know there aren't too many people who really possess that and you know and, and Grubel 4C makes fantastic stuff but it's a company and does it compare to somebody like Multilinen mm-hmm. you know no you know uh, someone who you know, creates that is an amazing absolutely positively amazing individual and uh, when when I was in Northern California, I uh, became familiar with a, a guy by the name of Christian Kling, which you may have heard that name before. Uh, and when I met Christian, he was a watchmaker. I think he was in, uh, no, it wasn't Mill Valley, but one of those uh, cities on the north side of the Golden Gate Bridge. and. Uh, he wanted to build his own watch. And he would work for six months repairing watches, mm-hmm. make as much money as he could, and then he would close his door and he would work on his watch until the money ran out, and then he'd have to reopen again. Mm-hmm. And he would, uh, you know, he, he did that in ter- until he finally finished his first uh uh, and, and it was not a simple piece. It was you know, an extraordinary uh, uh, tourion that he produced. Huh. And, but here's a guy, <laughs> he, 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 it's not like he has a family. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He's a single guy yep. who is completely focused and dedicated uh, and, and doing you know, that kind of, I mean, that, that was his life. Mm-hmm. And you know, I, I don't think he cared very much about what else was going on outside. 
Yeah, it was only, uh, you know, and, 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 I, and I've thought about him over the years, and, and the last I heard he was uh, uh, in Germany, I think, uh, and just basically working for, you know, individual collectors. Wow. And, you know, and that's, you know, it's, it's like what, you know, Kari Bultilainen does or David Walters does. And, and, uh, and, I, and I use David as a good example because he's, he's very handy. He's right here. <laughs> right. Uh, and, uh, uh, you know, and, and we've all kind of gotten to see the evolution of David's work on Instagram. And it kind of really gives you an appreciation of what these guys go through to yeah. produce these things. And it's just, I, I would have loved to have been able to do something like that, but I was never that kind of a, a craftsperson. And, you know, there were always, you know, there was a business to run and, and uh, you know, kids to feed and, and, right. and uh, uh, it just didn't, it was never going to be part of my life. Right. I, it was a fantasy for a long time, but right. it, it just, it was never going to be reality. Mm -hmm. But these people, you know, we, we, can't, we can't compare the rest of the watch industry to these people who do this kind of stuff. But, and, and going back to the cloning, to me, if somebody makes it, they still make it. They're still a maker. You're still making it, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and and it's it, it, it see this now. This is a case is 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 it as impressive as somebody who does the R and D themselves and creates this, you know, something that's completely new and unique. I think that's that that maybe speaks more correctly. Something that that is of you know this person on a individual basis. That's what is the real dividing factor. He's still a maker. Fair. He right. still he still makes it, and uh, I think uh, you know that's impressive too because yeah, for not, sure. a, lot, not, not a lot of people can do that. Not either. everybody. No. Ma making a good watch is impressive. Absolutely. Yeah. Period. It really is making a good, a really good watch because there are so many ways that a watch cannot be good. <laughs> <laughs> is making that is true. and those are the kind of things that keep <laughs> Natalie in business. <laughs> <laughs> Keep using those crappy tools. <laughs> Go ahead. Just, just say it real low, subliminally. Yeah. <laughs> we're talking about that, that influence that you don't know is happening. Chase, when you say making good watch, is calibrating part of that? Well, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. The watch has to run. It's like if, you, if, it, if, it, if calibration isn't part of the equation, you can also give people a pile of parts and some instructions. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's be clear, some watches should come that way. Yes. <laughs> yeah. It'd be better off. I'm, I'm, I'm holding. I'm, I've, I've had some experience where it's, it's it got build, through the cracks. Build your own. <laughs> yeah. And you know, a couple exciting things, though, yeah. would be like uh, Josh Shapiro. Okay. Um, Aldous Hodge, which I'm waiting to see what, what he Aldous produces. Hodge, yes. Uh-oh, uh-oh, uh -oh. Uh -oh. someone's got <laughs> activated. Uh -oh. Well, you know, mm -hmm. you know. Let me get my popcorn. Aldous is like, <laughs> he, he's, he's one of these guys, you know, when, you know, because, you know, Aldous's background is so singular mm -hmm. for him. 
and you know, and, and, and of course he's a great actor. We mm -hmm. all know that now. Mm -hmm. uh, extremely successful in, in, in uh, you know, movies and TV and all this stuff. But I think deep down, Elvis is a designer. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. and, and it's kind of like, we're just lucky that he decided that what he really likes to design are watches. Yeah. You know, that's, you know, I think very fortunate for us. And the, and the things, you know, you look at his his sketchbooks and, yep. and, and, and what what he does and, and, and the stuff that comes out of his mind. And it's like, I, I've, I've sat with Aldous and, and he, 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 he tells me what he's planning and what he wants to do. And I'm looking at one of his drawings going, uh, you know, my head's about to explode <laughs> right now. Uh, yeah. You know, because he's just, and, and sometimes it really takes, mm -hmm. you know, a designer. Yep. And, and that's an interesting, you know, in terms of research and development, you know, the designers come up with something and then they go to the engineers yeah. and the engineers yeah. go, you know, kind of like the, you know, like Lurch and the Adams family. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's not and, work. And, uh, this is feasible. Yeah, but, you know, feasible. but as as Aldous has continued to evolve, mm -hmm. he's kind of he understands better. He learns more, mm -hmm. and and he's he's figuring out think, figuring these things out in advance now. And you you know you just have to start wondering, you know, when when he starts producing things it's going to be like a very exciting time yeah it's going to be really amazing but uh yeah you know we, we need designers and, and dreamers and and you know people who imagine things that other people don't absolutely how do you think the spring drive came to be there you go well I, you know i look, kind of look at the spring drive as sort of a natural progression, progression. in a way uh that's you know, the uh, somebody somebody said to me, "Oh well, you know, but it's it's electric." And it's like, you know, how long are those parts going to last? Mm -hmm. Well, it's like hmm, low friction. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the coils don't wear out yeah. if they're good coils, uh -huh. and uh, you know, I figure I'll be wearing mine. Till they bury me. There so, you, you know, it's. Uh, I, I think it's a very uh, long-lasting concept, uh -huh. and uh, uh, you know, and w we all want the highest vibrating oscillator, right? That's mm -hmm. the that's the deal. That's mm -hmm. the goal. That's that's what makes great timekeeping. Mm -hmm. That's what and, makes great everything. Know, Thirty-two thousand seven hundred and sixty-eight hertz is that's, about that's as high as I number. know of. <laughs> yeah. You know, so calm, calm down, Chase. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, so it's, but you know, just like it's not for everybody, uh, and uh, so at the end of the day, it's probably the most exciting time ever to buy a watch. You know. Yeah. And the choices that we do have and there is and a lot of choices. The choices are incredible. Yeah. 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 So yeah. that's that's some of the things that are exciting you about uh, horology right now. And what about you now? You're, you're quiet over there. What, what's exciting to you right now? Yeah. What's exciting? <laughs> the, the landscape I think is exciting. The landscape. Uh, yeah. I I mean the changes, yes, they're coming. Mhm. Mm um but it 
you know, ev everything changes. Um, I think that with a lot of the micro brands, yes, it, it is exciting for them to be in an industry that for them is new. Right. Um, I think that for the consumer, the choices have never been. I mean, certainly, yeah, <coughs> that's, for sure. that's for sure. That's for sure. And we'll just have to wait and see what happens next. Yeah, I think there's some people executing at a very high caliber, and mm -hmm. some other people are just imagining something and farming out parts and getting stuff back that isn't as great. Yeah. Um, but definitely a lot of options. Um, well, and, and I think the fact that so many micro brands can exist today, that's what's really, I mean, even though we have, you know, large groups like LVMH and Richemont and, and mm -hmm. Swatch, and there's still room for all these little companies mm -hmm. who, you know, can find a market. You know, that, right. yeah, it's you know, I mean, we, we can talk about the, you know, downturn in the watch industry all we want, the, and, 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 and we'll probably lose a few micro brands here and there, mm -hmm. but, uh, you know, it, it's really kind of incredible these guys can exist and uh, uh, you know produce product and and uh, some of these guys are thriving too. Yeah, yeah abs they're, absolutely. They've created cult followings for the, for their products. Mm -hmm. No I doubt, mean, they're very successful, and that's that's amazing. I I commend those guys. Yeah. Some are based here in Los Angeles. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Cameron Weiss. Yeah, yeah. Notice Josh Shapiro. Yeah, notice. Yeah, notice. yeah. And you know, and Josh's stuff is just like awesome. I, I, I got it. I got into a big fight on Instagram one time oh. because oh. Uh, this guy up. was this guy was <laughs> he was bashing Josh Shapiro's uh, dial as just a uh, uh, copy of Breguet, mm -hmm. <laughs> and it you know and it just like it angered me that somebody who obviously has no understanding of what guilloche or engine turning is and doesn't know what they're looking at mm -hmm. can go oh well it's just a copy of breguet mm -hmm. well you know what even if it was a copy of breguet Do you know how the fact is? that he could produce that yeah. you know isn't that pretty incredible yeah. but the it, this particular dial it was not a copy and some of the patterns that he did yeah. were just, they're insane. You know, mm -hmm. he's, he's like re-envisioning, you know, what, what, what Guilloche is. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, he's amazing. And, and, and the, the uh, woman up in Seattle, uh, Brittany Nicole Cox, who, oh, uh, oh, yeah. who She's uh, amazing. Uh, yeah. Natalie and I went to see when she was here in town. Mm -hmm. Oh my God. And who know? needs to come back? Yes. You, you guys, need, you to, guys need to do a podcast you know, on, I, on Jace on, was supposed to do I, I, I reached too. out to her and uh, it was a timing thing where, where we missed her but missed she, her, yeah. she said that she would be willing to come on that, so. that would be awesome shout out to Brittany yeah. you know mm -hmm. yeah because you know her you know in, in her you know here's another person whose their background is is very unique and and uh, unlike most people who find their way into watchmaking and she has, that's one of the greatest, one of the most fascinating things that I learned at her lecture was what motivated her, you know, to uh, 
uh, embrace horology. You know, and I'm not going to go into that because that's, mm -hmm. you know, that's something, I mean, I can't speak nearly as eloquently as she can, but, you know, it's, you need people from the outside mm -hmm. sometimes yep. to really uh, bring a set of new eyes. Well, yep. yeah, and to be, what, what, what do they call them? Disruptors, mm -hmm. these yep. guys. Yep. And uh, uh, it's really, you know, seeing what these people are producing today is what kind of makes it more worthwhile for me uh, to be in this industry today because it's it, it, exciting. Yeah, mm -hmm. it, it really well, it really makes it exciting. But so. there's more of an investment I think in in individuals and and disruptors. <laughs> in in individual people that are shaking things up a little bit. Right. Mm -hmm. Um that makes it that makes it new and makes it exciting mm -hmm. and makes it what it is and what makes it different now than it was yeah just a few years back yeah I mean, just in the last few years you've seen a huge insurgence of the micro brands mm -hmm. and people coming in and uh producing new and, and fun and interesting um, ways of executing things and ideas and uh, dowel layouts color schemes <laughs> all sorts of fun stuff mm -hmm. I, I like the funky stuff yeah. I, I, I love it well, i know you're a king of funk well, next to Nellie. Yeah. King and Queen of Funk. King and Queen there of Funk. <laughs> so, what what I mean, are you excited about, Summer? Well, well, I'm excited about a lot of things, but I'm, ex <laughs> I'm excited. To Easily excitable. Yeah. Showing <laughs> the partners now. I mean, bring me a... F yeah. I'm excited the fact that, Josh, you and I are sitting to some people who's been in the industry for a very long time. And since we're on an upbeat, I want to talk about how their worlds collided and how they meet each other. Um, that goes for Natalie, Richard, obviously. Chase. Chase. Yeah. Um, and I think almost everyone ended up at Hovix at one point. I think we're all sons and daughters of other watchmakers. Mm -hmm. and, yeah. and that's that's the and, and that's getting to be a little bit more difficult to get that many people together in one place yeah. uh, these days. Mm -hmm. Because mo most, I mean, fathers who had uh, uh, kids who might have been watchmakers, fathers who were watchmakers and had kids that wa would have been watchmakers, mm -hmm. like my dad, they would have tried to talk them out of it. <laughs> uh, so it's kind of like my generation was, or just before my generation would have been the last uh, generation where you know fathers would have encouraged their uh, to come into kids the family to business. Become, yeah and uh, you know it's not that my dad didn't want me to be a jeweler uh, that's what that's what he was hoping for yeah uh, but you know I, I don't think there there are very few watchmakers much younger than me whose parents would have been, you know, in the jewelry business or were watchmakers, you know, worked in the watch industry or something like that. Because for like 35 or 40 years, nobody would have thought that it was a good idea. Yeah. You know, finally now we're getting better schools and they're getting to be more kids. But, you know, I mean, I, Chase and I met at a watch event 
Natalie and I met at an NAWCC convention. No kidding. Yeah. Here in Los Angeles? Yeah. And, you know, and I knew her dad. Right. And, and, and then she you know, was like, oh, you know, I saw Natalie with her dad. And I, uh-huh. you know, and then uh, I think uh, your dad came by our table. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I, you came by later. I think, but I'd seen you talking to your dad, mm-hmm. and and I s- noticed your name tag uh, from Hovick. Did I ask you if you worked for your for, for Mr. Hovick <laughs> you, you or something? <laughs> was that was you that it? And, and, and she kind of looked at me like, "I'm his daughter." Wow. <laughs> oh, okay. That's awesome. Well, you know, I never I never knew Mr. Hovick had a daughter. <laughs> this, yeah. This is a revelation. Yeah. Uh, but you know, it's. It's kind of rare when you know people like Chase and Natalie and I can actually. I mean, we we can discuss things and talk about things that make no sense at all to other people, That's you know, because we have that kind of you know that similar background. Mm-hmm. And it's we're happy to be there, the vessel, the conduit yep. to, to bring us together. Yeah, exactly. and that's great. So, and so excited. Ready to do their job. Josh, yeah. what do you have to say, Chase? Well, about having met Natalie and Marsha. Yeah. It's, I feel incredibly lucky because. Mm-hmm. Um, so you met Richard at a watch get together? Yes, actually, the, at the boutique event where, where he was the watch, or he is the watchmaker. Right. And um, and you saw him. And I saw him, and I saw, and I saw, thought, well, here's someone I can actually have a substantive conversation with. <laughs> <laughs> Were you guys in the sa- from the same planet or as two different planets? I, I Neighboring think, planets? I think so. Possibly the same planet. Okay. De- definitely the same solar okay. system. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Possibly same planet. Uh-huh. And, and then we were just talking and realized that, that we, I guess that we spoke a similar language. Mm-hmm. And uh, the same thing happened when I came in and saw Natalie many probably a decade in between you know the last time i saw her you're not that old no proof that you're a time traveler but i i was (laughs) i was (laughs) natalie and i probably met each other when we were very young (laughs) at least i (laughs) like you were two you used to come here like five Mm -hmm, yeah mm -hmm. five from the time i was five so i've been coming to hovig's i would say with with without question since 1990 maybe or but um, coming coming along with my father to work. Mm-hmm. You weren't in school. You were hanging out with your dad. If Chase is a time traveler, that you think you can calibrate his <laughs> his machine he's because because it's always late. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's just a navigation system. <laughs> time we have Richard here, so perhaps he can look into the DeLorean. Yeah. <laughs> I tried banging on it, but that got me yeah. nowhere. <laughs> It's it's amazing how all the universe is uh, colliding, like Power Rangers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there is five of us here. Yeah, all right. <laughs> I'm just shocked that anybody would want me on a podca- podcast. Anyway, oh, you know, it's been a real oh, I, think, oh, no. I think Summer and I, when we were discussing, um, I, don't, I don't even know if we had talked about doing this yet, but I met you first at um, the breakfast. Club. Mm-hmm. You, it wasn't yeah. exclusive to you because I met him that day too, sir. Yeah, just and, so you know. And someone I talked about your voice, mm-hmm. and we said that it, it would be great. I immediately. <laughs> I remember Richard was sitting on the corner, and I talked to Richard, and I was like, "Dude, he has amazing voice." 
Yeah. And I, I think that might have been before we even started to do the podcast. We haven't even done this. This wasn't even an idea. Yeah. So the voice came before the knowledge? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I heard. I, I called him the Tim Cook of virology. <laughs> yeah, he did. Right? Yeah, he did, yeah. yeah. Right? Yeah, you did. He was so calm, so collected. He was almost zen. He was in the corner of the table, and he was just like, hmm. And, yeah, and that's, that, yeah, that would be the first time I guess you guys met him. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. we met. We met you on the same day. And I'll go anywhere where there's French toast. <laughs> <laughs> it's like catnip. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I met Natalie through Josh. Yeah. It's it's and when I went here, I just my mind just blew. Like I, it was the hub. And then when I heard you were coming here, I said, "How did you guys end up? How did you end up at home?" <laughs> I was yeah, like, yeah, "What?" He yeah, thought he was the gatekeeper or something. Yeah, it was all connecting the dots. It was nutty. <laughs> How? How? I just remember Josh, you would come here a lot. You would do straps in CR twenty thirty two. Yeah, a lot. Yeah, a lot of twenty thirty two. Not just buy by the pallet. The, sec <laughs> the secret is you pull the ground so it goes on power reserve. There you go. Just so you know. <laughs> I just want to personally thank you, Richard, um, Natalie, for for doing this. Very much. Ve thank you both. It's very rare, honestly. This I, I want to thank oh. Richard for being the kind of watchmaker he is. He's a dream for for a part supply, definitely, to work with. Mm -hmm. Well, that's certainly something I learned from my dad because there was nothing more embarrassing to you know, come into a parts house. And, and my dad and I used to come. We were closed. On, our store was closed on Monday. Mm -hmm. And so we'd come on Monday and, you know, and there would be like, Know, a jillion other watchmakers there and and you know and if you if you didn't have your you know stuff together you know you're you're holding everybody up yep because mm -hmm. you were either yep. too lazy mm -hmm. or not knowledgeable enough to mm -hmm. look things up correctly and my dad would never that was not that was something he would never tolerate and and I think it's you know it's really true and and you know and these guys who didn't take the time and, and they're just relying on the people who are at the material house mm -hmm. you know then they complain when they don't get the right thing. Well, they didn't do their homework. They didn't find it out. So I always, that's, I, I never want to be, a, you know, a headache to a watch material so let me person because I want to be able to come back the next time. I think of what I do as, as to be here to help. Right. And, and that, you know, for for somebody like you that is very knowledgeable and knows um, knows a lot more than maybe somebody else that's just starting out. Um, I never want to discourage somebody from from opening that up, but sure. it's often a conversation of, okay, well, there's three different variants on this, and we need to figure out which one. And so then you go through a process, but that makes it a lot easier with someone like you. Well, thank you. I, I and and I, and I enjoy it. I, I love. I taught my daughter to use the. Uh, catalogs and, mm -hmm. and you know wow. I'd, I'd buy stuff at a at a uh, uh, NAWCC Mart and I'd say okay here you can file all this stuff put all those crystals away so file those stems and <laughs> figure out where all this stuff goes and uh, uh, you know it's it's a valuable skill it really is and I have the highest respect for the people who are in the watch material business and especially today because I think it's you know, you have to span so many generations 
today. You have uh, you know all this new stuff that's coming out, and, and you still have to be able to satisfy the people who are working on vintage watches and everything. It's it, and there are very few watch material houses who really cover that properly and are able to uh, service clients all the way across the spectrum. I try. It definitely keeps things interesting. Well, you've got plenty of stuff around here. Yes, yeah. <laughs> 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 All right, so now that uh, Summer and, and Chase have thanked you, I'd like to officially thank you guys for coming <laughs> on. It was a pleasure, absolutely. Uh, we'll have to do it again. And, uh, Thanks for having us. Up. I think we're out of time, and uh, we're going to place an order on tubes and crowns and stock up. <laughs> <laughs> you guys want to do a group buy? We sure. Yeah, yeah. Buy. Yeah. All right, let's get a lot. can be found on Instagram at the Out of Time Podcast. You can also email us at the Out of Time Podcast at gmail.com.